Attack life, not others, with Tim Hoover and Steve Mittman. Happy to have Mr. Bob Vadoni on the show. Longtime friend and student of yours, Tim. He's trained a long time with you. Over the years, he's taught for you as well at school. Uh, Bob, hey, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, good to be here. One of the things Bob used to do in his class, he used to talk about the slow horse. And I'm going to have him explain that um, in a second. But the slow horse always wins the race, if you want to call it a race. And most recently, in the last couple of weeks, I've seen so many great students who put in the time, who made it a maintenance program, who've worked at it day in and day out. And at the end, they come out just, it's just beautiful to see. Um, one of them, a couple of weeks ago, was this uh, young boy when he came to us, I think six or seven years old. He um, is autistic. And 10 years, 10 years of work through private lessons and through several instructors as he got older. Finally, um, it came his time to test for black belt. And what I saw was just um, unbelievable. It just made me shiver, and I had goosebumps all over. To see this now grown-up man of 18 years old going off to college, so many life skills were created because he allowed himself to be the slow horse, and he allowed the martial arts to work. He didn't try to work the martial arts. He allowed the martial arts to work in him. And then again, several weeks later, um, one of your students, original students, Bob, came up and many years of training is now approaching uh, her, uh, what's called, we call a Chotobo belt, which is a, a prep belt before black. Same thing. And to see her develop and how strong she is now as a woman, um, not, trying to, not trying to get ahead of it and allowing the martial arts to work in her. It made me think about this concept and idea of what you used to read to your class called the slow horse. And I'd like to share it with everybody that listens to this podcast. Bob, it's all yours. Take it away. Thanks, Tim. Sure. So, uh, first of all, I'd like to, you know, acknowledge the book that I used to read to the class from, and it's called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, Informal Talks on Zen Meditation and Practice. It's written by Shunru Suzuki in 1970. And I think it applies as the word practice that's in that title and, and beginner's mind are very applicable to the martial arts. So I'm just going to read a brief passage. It's called The Marrow of Zen. In the Zazen posture, your mind and body have great power to accept things as they are, whether agreeable or disagreeable. In our scriptures, it is said that there are four kinds of horses, excellent ones, good ones, poor ones, and bad ones. The best horse will run slow and fast right and left at the driver's will before it sees the shadow of the whip. The second best will run as well as the first one does, just before the whip reaches its skin. The third one will run when it feels pain on its body. The fourth will run after the pain penetrates to the marrow of its bones. You can imagine how difficult it is for the fourth one to learn how to run. When we hear this story, almost all of us want to be the best horse. If it is impossible to be the best one, we want to be the second best. This is, I think, the usual understanding of this story and of Zen. You may think that when you sit in Zazen, you will find whether you are one of the best horses or one of the worst ones. Here, however, there is a misunderstanding of Zen. If you think the aim of Zen practice 
is to train you to become one of the best horses, you will have a big problem. This is not the right understanding. If you practice Zen in the right way, it does not matter whether you are the best horse or the worst one. When you consider the mercy of Buddha, how do you think Buddha will feel about the four kinds of horses? He will have more sympathy for the worst one than for the best one. When you are determined to practice Zazen with the great mind of Buddha, you will find the worst horse is the most valuable one. In your very imperfections, you will find the basis for your firm, way-seeking mind. Those who can sit perfectly physically usually take more time to obtain the true way of Zen, the actual feeling of Zen, the marrow of Zen. But those who find great difficulties in practicing Zen will find more meaning in it. So I think that sometimes the best horse may be the worst horse. The slow horse may be the best horse. And the worst horse can be the best one. Well, that's just part of that chapter. Just to, just to listen to that, you have to read it and listen to it again and again and again to allow it to sink into the slowest mind, the mind, want, the mind that actually wants to process it and make sense out of it. And it, I think what I see in today's world, and I, the reason I, I bring it up is because I had complimented both of these students on their achievements, is because we're, we're such in a McDonald's state of mind, a Burger King state of mind. Everything's fast food. Everything's how quickly can we get there? How quickly can we move from point A to point B? And the next thing you know, the moment's gone and we don't see all the different things that we should see around us. And it seems as if, I don't know if it's just me, but it just seems to me that time is spinning out of control. And it's almost as if you have to pull yourself out of time and just be the slow horse to slow down. Now, it could be my age. And I, I probably would be speaking from a different text if I was 30 some years old. But still, as older warriors, we can give the advice um, to slow down, just just slow down and and just not be afraid of just always being the first one to get there. And, I, and I've, I've taught so many students, Bob, that have rushed to get there. They just wanted to get the belt. They just wanted to get there. And when they got there, they said all these great words and they said they were going to be around forever and they were going to practice. And the next month they were gone. The ones who work the hardest and the ones who seem to get the most reward out of it through the process of being a slow horse are the ones that are still with me after 30, 35 years. And that's something to say about relationships. And that's something to say about the martial arts. When I hear I that story, it makes me think of slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Everybody's worried about being fast to be the fastest. Break that down. If you're slow, you're smooth. And if you are smooth, you are ultimately the fastest. I think it's another way of saying what we've been talking about so far. Yeah. I, I agree with, with both of you. And for me, reading this uh, at the beginning of class, uh, I felt was very important to convey to the students that this wasn't just about kicking and punching and having the best form and being able to you know, achieve the best spinning hook kick or the best punch or be the best sparring partner. You know, but many times you would have someone come in who was very talented, especially younger people. And I've seen that in the school. They come in, they're athletic. They learn quickly. They can do great kicks. They learn how to fight. But I've seen they have no respect 
they have no understanding of the spirit of the martial arts just because they can be physically uh, demonstrate their prowess uh, and their power doesn't mean that they're practicing the martial arts in the true spirit. And I, I really saw this in the student you're talking about, this young lady who came into the class. Very, very difficult for her. She had had two broken ankles. Her ankles were basically fused at that time. She could barely walk. She could barely do any of the stances. It was so hard for her, and you could just see as she struggled, she wanted to give up. And I thought, I'm going to bring this story and you know, be, and, and, and read this to her. And it really came from her that I brought it into the class. And she just continued week after week after week. And the repetition, do the stance this way, do the stance that way. Stretching will help. And gradually, it took several years for her to be able to do a proper front stance or to do you know, proper kicks and be able to move again. And now, six, seven years later, she's getting ready to go for her black belt. So I think it's important. This applies to the martial arts because when he talks about feeling the pain, you know, we feel so much pain in our body in the martial arts when we train, when we stretch, sometimes when we fight, we have to overcome that. And when we overcome the pain, we grow. You know, we grow through obstacles. I know from my own experience, when I started in the martial arts, it was 1978. I was not in good health. I was skinny kid. I was scared. I remember shaking in postures. I wasn't really good. I wasn't a good fighter. I had okay flexibility. It was an A class and a B class. The A class were the competitors. The B, you know, were not the competitors. Uh, I could, I didn't make the competitors because I just didn't have those skills. But I kept at it and kept at it, and it took me, wow, 35 years to get my black belt. It didn't bother me that it took me that long. And when I achieved my black belt with Tim, um, who put me through my paces, believe me, did me no favors, I felt I earned that black belt. And and I suffered through the pain. I broke toes. I got broken jaw. I was so proud to be able to survive all the training, especially at Hoover Karate Academy, and earn that black belt. It really meant something to me. So... Bob, again, thanks for thanks for coming on the show with your wisdom. And also, I want to add this, that your idea and understanding of the slow horse who wins the race and your readings, um, first of all, it's just beautiful, especially if you listen to it and everybody takes it in. It is so well worth the listen because it's just not for the martial arts. It's for living. It's the way we need to approach our life more and consider that um, there's always going to be suffering. There's always going to be something, it's some kind of wind blowing in our face that's going to knock us back. And it's not that we ever get used to it, but when we kind of understand it, we learn that we just have to continue to push. I was, I was born into a family where my father, and I mentioned this before on the show years ago, he was born with polio. And my dad's one foot was four inches shorter than the other. And as a kid, you don't really recognize that until you get older. His mechanical movement, his whole body movement was off kilt. Um, he had different shoes. He had a different approach to life. And what was going on in that man's body, when I look back, he must have been in a lot of pain. And for a living, when I look back on it, he was a, he was a salesman in and out of his car, 
uh, going into garages and selling things and listening to people's stories and every day doing his job and he never quit. When I, when I saw him get older, everyone that he knew that was his age and older was in a wheelchair a lot earlier than he was. He never wanted to take an elevator. He wanted to take the steps. He never wanted to be in a wheelchair. He wanted to make sure if he had to, he was going to walk with a cane. And as he got older, and he got older, like we all do, eventually he did go into a wheelchair when he was in his 90s. But that just goes to show that it's, it's always an uphill battle. And if you think you're just going to win the race because you're the fastest and the best and the most athletic and the most academically inclined, I'm sorry, that's just not the answer to life. You know, but to be the slow horse truly is a good message for everybody to listen to, and I appreciate being on the show. Thank you for listening to Attack Life, Not Others. Subscribe to our podcast. And for more on our way of life through the martial arts, go to hoovercarate.com. This has been a Steve Mittman social media creation. Steve Mittman, social media.com.